Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 201 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I am your host, Colin Phoenix Defire, for Chief Archivist of Lave Station. And joining me in this rather packed orange sidewinder, we have Commander Shan, our head of in re human resources. Hello. We also have our Lavian space. Program Director, Commander Kurgel. Hey there. We have our Head of Health and Safety, Ben Mosswoodwood, Commander Adley Vice. Why are we still spinning sidewinders? I have no idea. We have our Director of Pest Control, Ashley Devine, Commander Doc uh, Dr. Toxic. I'm hi, trying to read a map. Mm -hmm. Hi, guys. Uh, in the background doing tech the, for this evening, we have the, the fantastic Commander Psycho Cow, Grant Psycho Cow Walker. Hello! And lurking somewhere in the background, we have the station commander himself, Alan Stroud. Hi, folks. So, if you wish, you, where are you guys at the moment? We're not hanging around live, if, uh, is that right? I am no, not hanging around live tonight. Right. Some of us are a long way away. <laughs> yes. I think because everyone in gamers, aren't they? We've got the crayons out again. Yes, and one of the reasons why we have the crayons out is we have a guest today. We have the Chief of Space Crayons, Commander Malibu. Hello. Hello. We'll be coming to why we have Commander Malibu on the on the uh, the station quite uh, quite soon. But let's quickly go around the team and see how everybody has recovered from that that wonderful event, which was LaveCon. So we will start off with Commander... Well, unfortunately, Commander Kurgel couldn't make it. <laughs> cars went boom, but how have you been apart from a lot poorer? Um, I have survived the emotional trauma of missing out on my first LaveCon, just... Um, but I have not yet survived the financial trauma <laughs> of it. So I'm still eating space beans for the foreseeable future. Um, other than that, I already have fast internet and my favorite game, so I'm pretty set up uh, other than that. Fair enough. Uh, Commander Shan, how have you been for the last week and a bit? I've been doing very well, thank you. I've been enjoying uh, Jurassic World, uh, playing Pack Raptor which is basically what you do is you um, you build a shelter and you sound the alarms and all the guests go running into the shelter screaming. Uh, you then build a fence around the, uh, the shelter, um, helicopter in some velociraptors, and then close the shelter so all the guests come running out and you watch with glee as the raptors then eat the guests. <laughs> Why does this not surprise me about you, Shan? Yes, I was about to say, as long as um, poor, innocent, NPC, computer-generated characters die in horrible ways, you seem to be quite happy. Oh, it's been brilliant. <laughs> um, Commander Psycho Cow, we haven't had you on for a while, so the, already the Twitch room is beginning to ask, how's the bathroom, how's the bathroom <laughs> update? We put absolutely every single second of our free time into getting ready for... LaveCon for the last couple of weeks, so we're now um, we've got a visitor up at the moment, um, Commander mm -hmm. Skip Rat, 
who we had. Oh, a, yeah. had asked, if you can hear me, what's the trouble? Yeah, we had, no, no, so no, just don't, don't. Just don't. So he um, he was up. We had an email out, which was which was lovely, and um, then we um, he's going on a sort of tour of Scotland with Commander Simuth all this week. So uh, we don't have any workers to do. We don't have a Simuth to come in and progress the bathroom But Simuth and I must are are going to do the tiling on our own, which could be disaster or it could be amazing. <laughs> but at least it'll get the job done. So. The next deadline I've got is there's a date in July that I'm heading down to a meeting in London at Wimbledon, and mm-hmm. uh, that'll be the next one. I'd like to have it done by then. If not, that's a week that Simon and another guy are going to redecorate the majority of the house while we're away for a week. So, when you, big jobs. Oh, yeah. Big jobs. Uh, so when you actually say um, Simon and Skip Rap are actually sort of journeying around Scotland, the impression I get is that Skip Rap would have introduce somebody to the word of the week in Glasgow, uh, that would have led to a load of misunderstandings, and the two of them are actually on the run. It's possible. It is possible. <laughs> if you've seen or heard of Skip Rat, um, no. please notify the emergency <laughs> services uh, directly. Do not approach him. He is known to be dangerous. Do not approach. <laughs> uh, Commander Ed Levice, Ben, how have you been last week? Yeah, past couple of weeks have been fine. I've been... I've I've finished up Antares Fusion's meet at the uh, the other day, and it was just getting progressively hotter and hotter and chewier. Um, so to be honest, by the end of it, I was actually quite glad it was done. Uh, but I did have a lot of fun times introducing my work colleagues to his meet, and you could tell the guys who had the hot and spicy stuff because they just basically ran back to their desks, necking bottles of water. Uh, so I, I find this really, really funny. Um, In-game, I've been... I've been, I've been pottering around again, basically, in-game. I've been running missions, um, just pottering around, doing doing stuff. Um, oh. oh, and I've been playing some GTA as well. I've been playing single-player GTA because uh, I was getting sick-fed up of Grand Theft Auto Online. Yeah. Mm. So, Commander Stroud, have you recovered yet? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> so, we we got back from LaveCon, and amazingly, um, we managed to pretty much pack everything into one trip home, which was right. incredible. Um, what that meant was that Karen and I could finally join everybody else um, at the uh, the <laughs> pub just down from the hotel. Uh, for a lovely meal, so it was great to have a bit of time with Grant. It was really, really nice actually having yeah. you and Karen joining us. Yeah, we we really didn't think we'd be able to, but of course, Chris, Grant, Ben, uh, Smooth, and you know a variety of, of of other people joined us there, and it was lovely to to just do that. You know, to even though I I did order a mountain of chicken wings, but you know, um, never mind. Mm. So we did that. We drove home. Um, did a bit of unpacking that night, uh, did a lot more unpacking the next morning, drove straight to Kingston, uh, sat on an exam board at Kingston, drove home, car overheated, stopped, waited, car cooled down, drove home a bit more, car overheated, stopped, <laughs> waited, drove a bit more, eventually got home, unpacked the rest of the car, drove to Coventry, uh, prepped a load of lectures for Coventry, 
Tuesday morning, started lecturing in Coventry, did Coventry on Tuesday, um, did, uh, we then had a, a meeting and stuff on, on, on Wednesday, lectured on Thursday. Uh, then Friday, drove home, packed the car up for Karen to go away for the weekend. Karen went off for the weekend. Friday night, drove back to Coventry, did an open day on the Saturday, drove back home. Sunday, fell apart. <laughs> then Karen came home later in the day, unpacked some of Karen's car. Monday, unpacked the rest of the cars, drove back to Coventry, <laughs> taught uh, and, and did a meeting, then taught for Tuesday, and then I've come home. So I'm, I'm still pretty knackered. Uh, oh. This week doesn't doesn't have a lot of let up either. Which um, so are you home just now, or are you in Coventry? I'm at home. I I was thinking I was going to stay up there tonight, but um, actually we finished early enough, and I thought, well, I'm going to try and get a a, a night in my own bed. So um, tomorrow I just have some paperwork and things to do, and then uh, I'm teaching again on Thursday, so I'll drive up again tomorrow night. But um, yeah, so you know, it is it is up and down a little bit at the moment. Uh, yeah. Um, over to Ipswich on Friday for again. I'm an external examiner over there, and then there's the British Science Fiction Association's AGM is on Saturday, which I, I have to be at. So yeah, you know, it's all pretty full on. Um, the the other news, the stuff I've been up to, that's just you know, this <laughs> is daylight. Um, the stuff I've been up to. So it, the one thing we weren't allowed to talk about at LaveCon about Phoenix Point was that we were also going to be on the E3 presentations because we've done a deal with Microsoft to bring Phoenix Point to the Xbox. Oh, um, which was was on the, you know, the Xbox presentation. <laughs> and uh, so so yeah, so we're going to be on the PC and the Xbox which is which is great. And then last night uh, Are you is Phoenix on the Phoenix Point on the PlayStation as well or just No, Xbox? not yet. Not yet. No, we have <laughs> uh, the um, it is asked. It is one of the one of the, about the four most common questions we get asked all the time, and so we have a shortcut of no PS4, no PS4. So you just type N O P S4. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know we've nothing to announce on that at this stage. Um, but one of the things that happened last night was we got the briefing five out, which is the latest of our our fiction installments. So it was about thirty thousand words worth of ebook, which went out to backers. So they're all excitedly discussing that at the moment. And uh, you know, the Discord channel for Phoenix Point was massive. So I, you know, had to trawl through it this morning. Yeah, lots of lovely, lovely comments, which was was great. Uh, and then this weekend at the at the BSFA AGM, I have an anthology coming out called or rather i am in an anthology called 2001 an odyssey in words um a an anthology dedicated to arthur c Clarke, and people that are in it are alistair reynolds adrian tchaikovsky bruce sterling paul mccauley becky chambers jane rogers ian mcdonald chris beckett dave hutchinson gwyneth jones jeff noon claire north ian mcleod um yunha lee uh there's the there's non-fiction there from Neil Gaiman. There's non-fiction in there from China Mieville. And there's a story from me. Yeah. Um, wow. 
that's yeah. that's some pretty heavyweight yeah. company that you're yeah. you're sharing up some pages with. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But not as cool as the fact that you completely and utterly forgot the one member of the Lave Radio team. I knew this was coming. <laughs> this I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna do that in revenge right now and just, just miss me out on the on the, the list. I thought you'd I thought you'd do that. No, you are absolutely right. <laughs> I, I kind of to be fair. I kind of started to play it a little bit, but then no, you're totally right. You were awesome at LaveCon, and I, everybody was. You know, we we really we had a great time, pulled together as a team. Um, and the fact that you you know you were managing all the hosting stuff on the Saturday was fantastic. So it really worked worked incredibly well. And I am so sorry. I'm such a such a, a doofus. I think I was I was more trying to focus on the fact that Foz wasn't there. You know mm. and make yes. the point that, that we really missed him. Um, and obviously, you know, we really missed Andy because, you know, it would have been Andy's great, you know, first LaveCon too. And, and having a car blow up on you, the curse of LaveCon, Karash will tell you, you know, the curse of LaveCon in relation to cars appears to be the thing. But, um, yeah, no, I, you're, you're entirely right. Um, yeah, I was, it, I was rubbish. It's, it's just right, yeah. I mean, it's only two years running you've done that. But never mind. Let no, us move on to the development let's, news. Let's, let's, let's make a pact here and now. <laughs> if I do it again, right, then someone else, has to do, someone else has to do the hosting. You know, I mean, it's obviously I'm, I'm just rubbish. So, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Well, we'll move uh, quickly along to the development news that have been announced this week. Uh, now, we've actually had quite a lot of it. Obviously, with E3 happening, uh, David Braben has been uh, answering questions and dealing with interviews from Variety and P was it PC Gamer. Um, the first interview, of course, was whether or not there'd be a possibility of an Elite Dangerous 2, um, to which he said, don't rule it out, but it's a long way off. This one threw me a little. And I think it threw a lot of people in the forums. What's everybody's reaction to that? I'd say it's just David saying, well, I can't say never, but never. <laughs> so, Elite yeah, Dangerous is a living game. Shut the heck up. Move on. Yeah, that's what I got as well from that. I mean, <laughs> saying that, um, I remember back a number of years ago, the ArenaNet, when they were developing uh, Guild Wars 1, they actually were almost all the way through an expansion, you know, a completely new chapter, so the equivalent of, of Horizons, basically. Mm. And they decided that the game engine could not do what they wanted it to do. So basically, they put all this work in, and then they decided, well, actually, the game actually can't do what we want to do. So they scrapped this uh, expansion called Utopia, pulled together a few bits and pieces from it, put it out as the Eye of the North, and then started to work on Guild Wars 2. So being, being purely speculative, there may come a point where uh, Frontier say, actually, the, the Elite engine, or how we've designed Elite, can't actually do what we, what we want to do anymore. So then mm -hmm. we'll, the best way is to take the best bits and start again. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's what I took from that. That's that's basically I think the only reason that we we need an elite dangerous two if they carry on doing what they're doing is effectively if they needed to rewrite the engine for some reason. 
Yeah, it's, it's not just the rewrite of the engine. It's the, 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 one of the reasons why ArenaNet went to Guild Wars 2 was because the Guild Wars 1 was so impossible to balance with so many combinations of skills, professions, everything. It was just a nightmare to balance and a nightmare to update because there's so many considerations they had to uh, take into account. I mean, it's basically the exact same story with um, Warcraft, wasn't it? When they did their big rebalance after a couple of expansions, they just wiped the slate clean and rebalanced everything from the ground up because otherwise it was throw the whole lot away and start over. But wasn't, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, um, obviously Frontier have their own internal engine. Yes, so, the Cobra engine. Yeah, the Cobra engine has been, you know, they have an engine team and basically the Cobra engine is used for everything that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I know I was I was kind of a little bit present when Guild Wars happened, when Guild Wars Guild Wars Two happened. But um, were were any of those games using their own bespoke engine, or were they using engines that they'd effectively bought licenses? For? Um, no, ArenaNet were using their own engine. Yeah, Warcraft was a custom built engine right. for that game. Right. So so technically, there could be some limitations that were were built in. You know, things like I mean, I guess the thirty two bit compatibility. Because um, that was built in originally to uh, Cobra, wasn't it? And, yeah. and now it's kind of. I, I mean, you could argue, yeah. I mean, you could arguably say the peer-to-peer architecture of Elite Dangerous will hit its limitations yeah. sooner than the uh, than Galaxy will. So mm-hmm. you could say, well, actually, we're designing a client-server architecture that enables us to have more people per instance and all the usual stuff, uh, and that would could necessitate a complete rewrite. That's yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's pure speculation. But you know, Eve Online had been after that for fifteen years. They've been they've been after trying to get a Twitch solution to their game for fifteen years, and it hasn't happened yet. Mostly because of the limitations. It's, it's too difficult to do that kind of client server architecture for that many people. Well, that's right. Could you hear the story of all these massive? Eve battles, mm-hmm. and the people who have been there have actually said it's more like watch a ship blow up, go away and have a cup of tea, come back, watch another ship blow up, go yeah. away and have a cup of tea. You know, it's not that kind of Twitch real-time gameplay with that number of players. But then again, you could quite easily, if you could push the instance into 100, 150 people, mm-hmm. then that's a reasonable yeah. chunk of players that can be in the same doing the same thing, which is more than 20-odd. Yeah. I mean, if you could get a sort of a couple of... Let's let's just put it at a complete speculative level of two squadrons worth. That's 500 players in one instance. That would be mental. (laughs) But I think think we're um, diverging from the fact... David Rayan also did a variety interview. Now, most of the... um, most of this was discussing Jurassic Park, uh, which was released um, at E3. Uh, to, but one of the things he did mention about Elite Dangerous was that um, they've got free expansions. They, they've made every expansion free. Of course, this caused an absolute furor on the Bloomin' Forums, 10 pages which of arguments which eventually got locked down um i take it he means uh, 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 this is what i got from it i don't know what if you anyone else will agree that that basically they consider horizons and 
Elite Dangerous to be the base game now. And that every expansion, like beyond going forward, is free. I don't know about that because I'm wondering whether he was counting the expansions as the point releases. Mm. So point one, point two, point three, point four per horizons. There seems to be some confusion when you talk at Frontier is some people refer to the point releases as an expansion mm. where the player counts as horizon as a single expansion. I also think we mentioned a couple of shows back, or speculated a couple of shows back, that with them dropping the Mac client and 32-bit support, that Horizons might become the base game in the future. And I wonder if he's made that decision internally, and that's coming with 3.1 or something, and it's just he's the interviewers released that info maybe before that's actually become mm-hmm. like ratified. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they made Horizons the base game. Um, but at the moment, I think that our, that statement is pretty demonstrably false, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, going forward, you, it's basically going to be um, Elite Horizons and Beyond will be the base game eventually, by the end of this year, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah I agree, but it also begs the question, what did the people that bought like a lifetime pass for the game that were promised future-paid content, mm-hmm. if all future content is going to be free... What are they getting? What did they pay extra for? You know, I'm sure there'll be a few people asking questions about that too. We were told in Frontier Expo, though, that there will be some paid-for content this year that the li- that the lifetime expansion pass people will get. Mm-hmm. Unless that's gone out the window, obviously. Well, they haven't made any announcements on that. No, but then I they mean, wouldn't, would they? I mean, it's interesting no. if you look at the way the market is going. It's going much more towards gaming as a service. So if you look at Fortnite, for example, um, Fortnite is making millions and millions and millions on cosmetics and emotes and stuff like that. So you could conceivably see a model where um, the expansions are free and the majority of revenue from Elite comes from uh, ship skins and engine colors and whatnot. I actually think that's a pretty solid direction for them to go in. Um, just think, how many times has Ben come back from the store saying, I brought another skin? Damn it. Well, I, brought another, I brought another engine color. Damn it. Ben only has one ship, and that's the cutter, so. I'm, I'm actually flying, flying an Asp Explorer at the moment. But I do have the Lavecon skin on my Asp Explorer. I don't so you want I've to got do a Lavecon skin for mine. So what to do about the lifetime pass, I think, is one of the headaches Frontier will have. Um, but kind of at the moment, I mean, I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I agree. Like, I also bought a lifetime pass. And I think that, like, at worst, if Frontier turned around in six months' time or a year and said, we've decided to cut paid content and it's all going to be free, have a £100 of store credit on the Frontier store, I'll take that, <laughs> you know. Um, and that doesn't really cost them anything, do you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, I mean, when when the Design Decision Forum was discussing this originally, we did talk through the fact, you know, what the limitations of paid content would be, and there's there was a very clear line laid out, which was no game buffs. You know, you can basically, you can have anything that's cosmetic, fine, but... but yeah, no game totally buffs. agree. Um, and and they've stuck to that, and I think that's good. Um, I do think 
having just supervised a dissertation on microtransactions in video gaming, I do think that the the environment's moved on, you know, since 2013. And, you know, different things are acceptable in different games. We're seeing, you know, different subscription systems and different methods. Um, it really does depend. And we, we've got to bear in mind as well that there's there's almost a new, you know, I mean, much as a lot of the team have been there since very early on, there's there's certainly new administration um, in Elite Dangerous because a lot of Frontiers team have moved to to Jurassic World. So, um, yeah, it, it, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they're you know they're going to go on this. Um, you know, I guess we'll we'll have to see. I certainly wouldn't necessarily want to go for you know. I, I have my lifetime expansion pass too. I'm not sure I'd I'd want stuff that's in the store. Um, don't really see anything I'm after. So, yeah, I, it's tricky. Um, but then again, um, it's not like other Kickstarters. I mean, I've got board game Kickstarters where, you know, I got a game after about a year. And then uh, Dark Souls, for example. I'm due Dark Souls. The expansion wave is due in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, that'll turn up. And so basically, having paid out the amount that I paid out to back it, I'm getting all this, you know, all this stuff just arriving in the post. It's like, you know, Christmas from, from years ago, if you see what I mean. So yeah. you kind of, it's faded away, you know what I mean? Um, you know, the fact that I got the lifetime expansion pass has kind of faded away. And obviously, as Pete Wotherspoon pointed out at LaveCon, um, it does mean all expansions, not two. Uh, <laughs> which was a great joke in his Galnet uh, thingy. So yeah, you know, it's. Um, I think I think most people who bought the expansion are probably going to say, or the lifetime expansion pass, if they choose to do that, you know, it was a long time ago. Okay, there might be one or two who decide to to effectively to find that that as the hill they choose to die on. If you see what I mean. I think most people went for. A- a lifetime pass they were probably motivated by wanting to help the development of the game along yeah yeah i agree it's just how much goodwill you've still got from those but i mean i still feel like i want the investment to go into the game you know i don't yeah. really care what i get out of it yeah sure right alan if you were given say a hundred pounds worth of store credit rather than a hundred pounds worth of Ship accessories. So uh-huh. store credit, you could obviously you could buy Jurassic World Evolution. I'm not or you interested could, in it. Or you could go and buy yourself ten mugs or something like that from I don't the. Care. Yeah, <laughs> you, you don't want you don't you wouldn't want to go and get yourself a couple of t-shirts or something. No, no. <laughs> I I mean the the problem and you know and and Ben, I think I'm in an unusual case here. I'm not trying to to say yeah. that everybody would be me, but the point is is that you know um, the. There's there's nothing in the store that I would be interested in. Um, I'm but however I'm not precious about the fact that I've I bought the lifetime expansion pass. Do you see what I'm saying? You know I I actually don't. Yeah, care, you're not fast. I can, so I can but I can understand the um, the way in which other people care. Um, if you see what I mean, and yeah. that you know if they chose to make that the hill that they want to to make their stand on, then that's you know that's down to them. Um, as I see it. It was a long time ago, and certainly, I you know, I feel that what I put into Elite Dangerous, I got an awful lot out of, and and you know, and then obviously I have the entirely unique, or you know, very 
very sort of rare thing of the fact that you know i wrote a book and everything else so you know i mean that was all on top of what i you know i pledged towards um yeah. but yeah you know I, I i'm i'm delighted with with what they've done so i'm not worried I mean, certainly in terms of time played, I've gotten my my money's worth out of Elite Dangerous, even if I stop playing today. Yeah, yeah. So, can't as you say, you can't. I can't really complain. Uh, but yeah, I just wondered if you could find, you know, you could go off and build your own T-shirt or something like that. I'd say, okay, sure. I can live with that. I'll I'll go have a look, but yeah. I I just don't think, um, you know, I I just. Uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I've looked You're before and I was sitting there and thought, well, I don't care about, I don't really want that. I don't really, you know, so I, I think probably the only thing that would interest me, I like, the one thing that I do like is the, the ship kits, as in the um, uh, the the ones that add all bits to the ships. You like, like your spoilers? The, yeah, I like that <laughs> kit. Well, you know, you know which whichever... Whichever, you know, sort of variation, but I do like that kit. I thought that was incredibly clever of them to, mm. to put that together. And I think it's good that they don't affect the ships. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Really. It creates um, variation rather than, um, yeah, I do like that kit. Yeah, I just, I, ha I have to laugh at the idea of adding yet more spoilers <laughs> to a shipping game. <laughs> Fair enough. Usually, guys. Uh, but I love it. I mean, it looks awesome. And I've, I've got, yeah. yeah, I've got, I've got ship kits on pretty much all my regularly flying ships that I can get ship kits for because... They, look, they do look amazing. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, um, once I get to fly a bit more, incidentally, hopefully tomorrow I'll get to fly a bit more, um, then, yeah, you know, it'll um, it'll be great. And um, I'll have the opportunity to, yeah, to sort of peruse and think about that. Right, well, unless anyone's got anything else they want to say about the Variety interview, should we move on to, I guess, the big news that came out in the past couple of weeks is 3.1 is coming out next weekend. Well, next Friday. It's not, uh, no, it's not. It's next Thursday. It's the third. Oh, yes, it's, it's the June twenty eighth. Yes, it's the, tw it's the 20th of June. Um, this was announced a, a couple of uh, weeks ago when we were all doing LaveCon prep, so we haven't really had a chance to go into into it with great detail. Um, I guess we'll do that later. Uh, so we can we can cover that uh, yeah, at a later I, point in the show. What I will say is, don't take the 28th of June off work. No, the patch could well be later than you'll spend the rest. You spend the whole day pressing F five, and not actually get on until the time you would have finished work anyway. So take the twenty ninth off. Not the yeah, that, that that's normally the 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 rule of thumb for these kind of things, isn't it? Well, the next thing that we had was that uh, Sandro posted some more updates to the power play proposals. Um, now, effectively, what he was saying was that instead of these these items being, um, uh, the, the power play items being zeroed or devalued when you move to private or solo, they would be reduced in value. Um, this didn't seem to, to go down too well. What did everybody else think to that one? I think it's a... It's a muesli solution. It's kind of not offensive, and it doesn't kind of bless. It's a fudge. It is. I mean, there's a few things up with it. I mean, for example, what happens if you accidentally go into solo private group and you misclick and, or, you know, you say, oh, crap, I've lost it all. Um, and then he does mention about the power play modules mm. being moved somewhere else. But going back to the uh, pay-to-play aspect um he didn't say anything about the buffs no. you know the fact that 
for example, if I'm um, rank five with Leon Yu, you know, you have to explore twice as much as I do to get the same amount of money. So, and I, I, I did break the subject of that to him at LaveCon, and he sort of went, oh, okay, yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. So it's not just about the modules. It's about all the benefits and the other stuff around that. So, but he excluded that, didn't he, from the the, the topic of discussion? It's almost like he uh, he tabled it as if to say, "Well, actually, don't talk about that." You know, don't talk about that. Mm. Well, I mean, personally, um, I'm I've always been the opinion that yeah, I think it's a what the the initial proposals were were, were good. The I think the only issue I did have was sort of if you do instead of these things being zeroed. Why don't you have it so that they don't have any effect on the actual background simulation at all? So you, as your commander, you get your power of play benefits, but you don't get to affect the background simulation. Well, as we saw earlier on, and we won't sort of touch on it too much yet. We saw earlier on the week, you can actually oppose anyone in you know just because you play an open doesn't mean to say you can't oppose other people. It's kind of like. It works as intended at the moment, so I, I don't know. I, I don't, don't really want to get another soapbox on this subject as well, but it just seems to be a pointless change because there's so many ways around it. You know, it's almost like trying to <clears throat> patch a patch a hole in a boat with a sieve. You know. Hmm. Well, um, it did seem that the focus feedback on mining was supposed to be moved back until the 18th of June. Um, yesterday, in other words, there didn't seem to be anything appearing on the forums. Um, I do know that I think Will was taken to hospital or something like that it was on, on his Twitter feed, so I don't know whether that had an effect on it. But as of this moment, have we got any new focus feedback on mining? I don't think so. I think they were waiting for the reveal at Lavecon before mm -hmm. bringing the focus feedback up. And I suspect after Lavecon, they were all they were so busy and exhausted after E3. Uh, I just kind of think they they kind of think, well, yeah, we know it's supposed to be today, but I'm sure an extra couple of days won't hurt anyone because they were just so busy. I mean, I was on Kate Russell's stream on Sunday looking at some of the background you know, footage that she'd filmed as part of the BBC Click, and it was exhausting, absolutely exhausting, the amount of effort that they all put in. So I, I'm not surprised, to be honest. Mm. So I think we'll just have to, to wait on that one, uh, I'm afraid to say. Um, we have new concept art from uh, who's this Nick Tagney? Who put that one in? Okay, fair it, enough. It might have been Ben because um, he's nipped off for a second, so you may want to come back to that when he's back. Okay, and then finally we have new shipyards added to the player factions in Colonia. Now that was announced by Will um, earlier in the week, and it it so that means we have shipyards at every player base. That came from a person asking at LaveCon. I remember seeing them in the line of questions on one of your presentations. They asked Frontier, can we have shipyards in all the player factions that don't have one in their home system, please? Because it's really annoying. And I think that's what they've put in as a, as a yeah, we can. It is, yes. See, the LaveCon Lave 
Con got the credit for suggesting that. In, in, oh, in, excellent! In, so, in the post, the so, law reason though that they've put on the forums for it is awesome. How was this? Yeah, it's like it, it, it's some pirate who's amassed a fortune and he's basically trying to evade the tax inspectors by investing all of his like free cash into b building all these starports as a thank you to all the commanders. In other words, he exploited Smeaton <laughs> yeah. and wants to launder his money. <sighs> so it, oh, that, that sounds quite interesting. So moving on to the in-game events which have been happening over the last times that we've been away. Um, we've had the IDA, they have continued to try and repair stations in the Pleiades. Um, they're still working on Titan's Daughter. That apparently is, is quite a tough nut to crack. Um, I've, I've done a couple of runs myself. It is quite a bit of a long haul. Yeah, I was uh, about to say, I was watching you doing that on your top shift the other day. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a long haul because there's... Um, and I do believe at the moment there is a bug in the background simulation which isn't counting these these uh, deliveries correctly. I think we're waiting for hopefully 3.1 to to fix that before um, the IDA are, are prepared to really go at it again. Uh, in other anti-Thargoid related news, the Anti-Xeno League has now managed to defend the systems against a Thargoid attack for the fourth week running. This week's targets, according to the Eagle Eye network system, are Cambelia and uh, Asindia. It appears that the Thargoids now have discovered all the Inra bases that we know of, but the Aegis megaships appear to be missing as of Friday morning. I don't know what's happened to the Aegis megaships. They, they were actually targeted the week before, but they seem to have disappeared from the game. And I could be wrong with that. My information could be out of date, but um, yeah, that'd be a bit worrying if those two disappeared. They got lost on Thargoid Thursday, probably. Mm. Oh, incidentally, sorry. Um, the person who suggested the uh, Colonia shipyards, according to Bill Sandbond, was Wishblend. It, it was who? Wishblend. Wishblend. Oh, right. Congratulations, Commander Wishblend. You've made a, 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 a lot of people in Colonia very happy. <laughs> So, um, the Buckyball Close Encounters event has already started. It runs from the 16th of June to the 24th of June. Um, has anybody had a chance to look into this, or has anybody tried to run it yet? I haven't, but I did go off and... Oh, for Sagittarius I did the, the bulletin announcement about it. And it, does, it looks like a hell of a lot of fun, because you're going... You're visiting a load of stations that are right down, almost in planetary atmospheres. Uh, so you're really skimming the planets or skimming rings to go and get it, and it looks like a hell of a lot of fun. But I don't do a lot of buckyball racing, unfortunately. <laughs> the times I've tried, I've died or been crap. <laughs> so, um, oh yeah, Ben, as you're here, um, have you got anything to say about the concept art from Nick Tangley? Nothing that would make for good radio. Um, it looks really... It's concept art by one of Frontier's guys. It looks really nice. He's um, got some of the stuff <laughs> in it that was the Thargoid bases that we went off and explored. We, well, that Stephen Usher suggested, made suggestions for. Mm -hmm. 
Um, um, yeah. Right. So there's okay. Some, some um, interesting. There's been some interesting um, pieces in that because there's a few that we haven't actually seen yet. Uh, the Thargoid base that Ben refers to looks as though it's on fire in the concept art. And the the other one that caught the eye was almost looked look like Space Great Yarmouth um, or Space Blackpool in that it's a, it's a base that's covered in neon lights and signs and holographic statues and all sorts of stuff like that. So since the rest of his work has appeared in game in one uh, form or another, it would seem reasonable to assume that maybe the rest of it will at some point. Okay, I was taking it, with it being concept art, as taking the the concept with a pinch of salt. Rather you mean than... like the work, in the the work, the target art that they showed at the expo? This is what uh, I'd say. Uh, no, I'd say this is this is concept art. So concept art to me is these are quick sketches that you've gone off and done that are used and used to quickly highlight ideas, and then you take bits from one, bits from another, bits from a, a third one. And then that's, you'd put that together to make the target art. Okay. That's how I'm taking it, but what do I know? I know, I know nothing about art, so, yeah. Hey. <laughs> so who can tell me about this Commander Sandling who's managed to park his sidey inside the, rec, the, the cabin of a wrecked cutter? <laughs> this is just an amazing screenshot a guy put on Reddit. When he was cruising around in a sidewinder, he happened to come across like the derelict wreck of a cutter, mm-hmm. and he's actually flown his sidewinder up through the back neck of the broken cutter and parked it inside where the cockpit would be, where the glass is all blown out. And it's just a really great photo that shows you what scale some of the stuff is, because that sidewinder genuinely fits inside the cabin of the cutter. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I must admit the scale on this, um, as I've as uh, people know that I've been working on the miniatures game, I've the thing is I've been having a look at getting all the models to scale, and when you actually compare the size of a sidewinder and to how big my cutter model, if I ever get that far, would have to be, <laughs> I'm actually quite scared. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It's a real credit. Like it's one of the best things in VR is there's lots of other games that have bolted VR on as an afterthought, and the scale is what ruins the immersion. Like Alien Isolation is a great example. Everything just looks wrong because it's all the wrong height, which completely stops anything being scary because it just feels like you're running around in Minecraft. Whereas in Elite, everything actually looks better in VR. It, you can really see things towering above you and stuff. It's... Uh, but just phenomenal that there's enough modelling done in the like um, ship that he could fly up through the neck of it. He said he couldn't go in through the actual where the window would have been. He had to come in through the back of the neck and park up there. Um, yeah, okay. Well, that's it for the in-game events. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll quickly go over the newsletter and then have a break. If uh, if that's okay with Grant, so um, this latest newsletter two nine nine came out in uh, obviously on Friday. There is a little bit of a chat about uh, the stuff that was released. Um, uh, well, they were shown at LaveCon, which was uh, very nice 
that, that they mentioned it. Um, people getting ready for uh, 3.1, which we'll, we'll go into at a later point. Um, edifying will. Um, hang on a second. Was, I'm quite sure that they weren't actually doing many streams last week because we were, we were taking over from them. Have we got the wrong newsletter here? <laughs> Uh, there weren't any frontier streams, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I think we've got the the wrong. That's the wrong newsletter, newsletter link. It's dated the third of June. Yeah. So. Ten points. Whoever did the show notes. Yes. Not do, not taking any effect on that one. Um, well, they. I do remember from the newsletter that I've received. We they had um, the touch points that they had at Lavecon. We also had the new Viper skins. Did anyone see those? Oh, yeah, I, I saw, saw the them, but Viper I don't skins. play a Viper. They've done um, the the six like metallic colours that they did. It's called, um, but yeah, they're six glorious, colourful, chrome-like. Um, is, is that the galvanised one? Isn't it? That's the one. The galvanised yeah. paint jobs. Um, yeah, they look good. I've been waiting since like the first year of Elite for them to put the chrome Viper back in the store, and that's probably as close as I'll ever get. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that Chrome Viper's coming. It's not supposed to be coming back. It was supposed to be one of these unique ones, wasn't it? They've done, like, chromed versions of the old chrome ships for other ships. Give me a chromed Viper, please, Frontier. <laughs> so, um, obviously, the Lave Radio, uh, both community goals were successful, but with the Lave Radio um, Hour 1, being successful to the tune of uh, 10 to 1, um, we are still allowed to broadcast, apparently. The the, the Lee of Jet family didn't manage to get the right kind of things in place to stop our jamming, so to, or to jam us, rather. So, yeah, uh, to that. <laughs> um, and I was hoping for a Tuesday off. Well, we had last Tuesday off. The jamming hit for the last Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, one of the reasons I'm now out in the black helping draw this stupid fuel rat thing across the galaxy is because of hammering that community goal for five days straight. <laughs> oh, you need you need some time away, do you? Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, Grant, can we uh, please go for an ad break, please? Eddie Lee Wise here. Oh, Grant, Our family-run business looks after all your sartorial <laughs> needs. Listen. Whether you need something to turn your pink python purple, or you want to wrap your buns up in a nice tight flight Oops. suit, Millsburn Ken can sort you right out. He's an expert at inside leg, and my wife Barb's is a whiz with a sewing machine. Bespoke tarting for you and your ship. Visit Eddie and Sons. Plus me daughters at Lave Station. Right, sir. Cough, please. <coughs> and welcome back. Um, for our main discussion, we've got three little uh, points to uh, discuss. Obviously, um, when 3.1 was released, we didn't have a chance to discuss it fully. So let's take a little bit of a dive into it right now. So we've got four or five things to quickly discuss. Um, I think the first thing that we should all have a quick chat about is the new ship bracket ships. Because they said at Leafcom there are two ships coming, but they wouldn't mention what the second one was. 
So, the challenger. Opinions? I only wonder with the challenger what the point of the current ship will be. You know, they've said it's better in every way than the chieftain. Um, that's my only reservation. I mean, it, it looks and sounds great. I love the con like the actual model for it and stuff, and I'm sure it will fly really well. I just wonder if they've made the chieftain fairly redundant with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that's that's going to set things back, I think it's going to be the cost. Does anybody yeah. think that the cost for this is going to be a, a lot more than the Chieftain? I don't think so, because it's it's a remodeled Chieftain, isn't it? So to have it twice the price, it would have to be something fairly significant, I think. I, mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm thinking this is similar to how we've got the Federal Dropship, Federal Gunship, and Federal yeah, or like ship. The, or the Diamondback and the Diamondback Scout. I think they're just variants, aren't they? But but um, at least the Federal things, they're, they're combat ones, so they, they feel, fill subtly different roles. So one of them's more turny, one of them's more of a tank. I mean, it'll be interesting, won't it? It'll be interesting to find out how it differs maybe it'll be a brick and you know the maneuverability of the chieftain will make it glorious um yeah because i mean one thing that I've, I've got my uh chieftain running at the moment and i i love this ship it it turns on it turns on a dime yeah, um, yeah. but they said it was better in every way does that mean it's more maneuverable than this than the chieftain uh, well, I guess we'll. I think they we'll did find... say it was more maneuverable, didn't they? They said it's more maneuverable, it's faster, it's got more punch. Um, that has, it got, seemed... has it got more armor, though? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, have they made it lightweight? Have they actually balanced it so that. Maybe it's yeah. stripped oh, so down. It's, it's, it's like a glass cannon, basically. Yeah. Is it, is, is it basically it can deal punishment but can't take it? Basically, Colin, I would treat your chieftain like uh, last year's graphics card and sell it. <laughs> oh. I've just got the new Leafcon skin on it and everything. That's probably why they went off and gave it to us, you know, getting rid of them cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, there was speculation about what the second ship could be. This could also touch on the redacted comment at the very end of the newsletter, of the, the announcement. Everybody's been saying, well, from what we saw from the uh, the video that came with it, all the guns and the engines uh, that were displayed seem to be coming from a different ship, not a Chieftain, not a, not a Challenger. It looked to be the crate. Nah, yeah, I think it's... Track 12 racer. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the crate's just uh, given at this stage, I think... Uh, I think it would be surprising if it doesn't arrive with 3.1. Now, this is the thing that I, I do have to ask. I mean, is the crate going to be uh, basically free with 3.1, or is it going to be tied in with this um, premium content DLC? I think there'll be a riot if it's tied in with premium DLC. Yeah, I can't see it either. That's fair enough. I think if we're going to get some premium content stuff, I don't think that's going to be until the fourth one. What, the fourth quarter? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. 
Okay. Um, everybody happy with the new ship? Oh. Okay. I'm super interested to see how they how they turn out. I like the fact that different ships give us different flight models and each has their own little thing that different people enjoy them for. I'm hopeful that one of those two will be fight I'll find a role to use it. Um mm. I mean I did I did hear I mean was someone discussing the fact that they hope that the crate becomes a new archetype vessel saying it's a, it's a pirate vessel. I, I think that was me actually saying I, I want it to be, even if it's not labelled a pirate ship, yeah. I want it to be like a pirate ship that you think... I mean, this is, this is there was that old... The old, like, law for it is, like, old rock hoppers and stuff living on asteroids with them, isn't it? And they've just shown us a mining preview where we get to blow asteroids up. If we don't get them popping out of asteroids that get blown up, I think I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, on the subject of that, um, we have new wing missions which are coming into this release, mostly to do with mining. Um, did, <sighs> wing missions with mining, I'm not quite so sure about that one. Is it going to be a case of you're all miners or a case of one person mines and the rest of you escort? I think that touches on, again, their future improvement. I don't think we'll get much really additional wing wingy gameplay out of it right now, but that's looking forward to when they're talking about needing teams of people to crack open a, a thing and have one person scanning and one person stripping all the expensive ores off the outside. And I think getting wing missions into the bulletin boards now and fixing all the minor issues with it before we get the mining update is probably why we're seeing that early. I mean, I'm hopeful that it'll give us something. More wing stuff is great, and hopefully they'll expand it and work on it more. When they said wing missions for mining, I, I kind of had visions of playing Armageddon, the movie. You, know, <laughs> you get your SRV and you leap across the canyon. Oh, that'd be amazing. I'd do that mission. <laughs> you want to be Bruce Willis, don't you? Actually, just give me an SRV on, you know, no, I don't I'd even need to get out ben of it. I think I'd rather be Ben Affleck. Because <laughs> he survives <laughs> and there's Liv Tyler. <laughs> but moving on, <laughs> um, we won't bother asking Grant what he thinks about mining. Otherwise, we'll end up with a rant that goes on for... Well, I don't know, you see. Does, does the changes they showed to mining, does that actually make it interesting to Grant to do? Judging by the silence, probably not. <laughs> but we we offered him that we offered him that 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 question at uh, at Lavecon, and no, it produ provoked another rant. Yes, uh, yeah, but that um, was fresh, though, wasn't it? It was fresh in his mind. Now he's made. Uh, I'm pretty out. sure it's. I'm pretty sure it's going to just provoke <laughs> another rant. Well, it it didn't just cause a rant for me. Then it caused a backlash from uh, other people that are quite important. You know, quite proud of their mining. Um, I've done mining. It was okay. These might make it more okay, but you know, it was one of those things where I was forced into doing it. I can see its appeal. It's kind of like you know, fishing in Minecraft. It's, it's nice to take your brain out. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> so, going to leave it there. I'm not going to say anything else. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll move. We'll move on to the new interstellar interactions. Now, I was a bit confused about this one. Is this the actual these these new CQC structures which are uh, in space, or are they on about um, small bases on the planets as well? 
I think they're on about the installations in space. Right. Um, so, so it's a bit like, you know how we've got the mega ship interactions? Yes. So basically you, you scan, the, the data link scanner can now scan the whole mega ship or um, insta, interstellar installation. And it will give you a whole load of extra sub-targets which will allow you to interact. Yeah. We'll and go off and see rate. some cargo cargo bays full of bio waste or something. <laughs> or releasing like, like they released the escape pods in their video, didn't they? And ejected a load of people in escape pods. Um, <laughs> it, I, I really like the sounds of this, and I don't necessarily think we're going to get like wonderful, huge, stringy missions of gameplay based around it. But I'm hopeful that that sort of stuff will just start getting folded into their mission generator over the course of time, and we'll get more interesting things than go kill this guy in a USS. We'll get go to this USS, release Escape Pod 37, capture it and bring them back to our station or whatever, that sort of mission would be, uh, you know, it's all the groundwork we need to get some proper uh, yeah. clocky missions in, but still can be procedurally generated by their background sim. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I was talking to this with from a friend of mine who who plays Elite Dangerous, but he doesn't, he's, he's not... Um, basically he's not into it at the same level as us i explained about what these uh these interstellar interactions were, were like and the first thing he asked is does that mean you get notoriety and i said yes i said well there's no way i'm doing it then it, it just went to show how much the crime and punishment seemed to have an effect on people where they just go no i've got too much to to, to risk there but could it not be a case of if you get notoriety, you're doing it wrong? Because you actually get notoriety, you actually have to be caught. So could some could sort of techniques like uh, silent running or, system, you're getting caught. Or, or well, could sort of like silent running or using chaff or whatever, you know, the usual techniques you use to avoiding scans. Mm -hmm. If you use those, I wonder if you would avoid notoriety or getting a final bounty. Mm. Basically. You almost treat them as a heist in GTA. Yeah, I mean, I do think that the the. I would say that it depends. Sorry to cut cut you off there, Colin, but it's not. It's actually when you shoot the ship, it's when you kill the ship that you get the fine and the bounty, not when you get back to the station and they say, "Oh, hey, you've been out murdering people." You actually uh, get it. I, I thought as soon as system defense forces are on their way as soon as. Yeah, I thought as soon as basically you managed to steal cargo from one of these mega ships, that was it, you had a bounty. Yeah, I think you're maybe getting mixed up between getting a bounty and notoriety. Notoriety you get from blowing ships up. Yeah, because I thought as soon as you got a bounty, you also got notoriety. Right. So, Shan, do you think you'd be able to essentially smuggle the cargo out of the ship? You maybe get a bounty, but then you could go to an interstellar factory and clean it off or something, as long as yeah, you haven't got notoriety. Yeah. yeah, so what, What if, without sort of trying it, but in theory, what you would do is you'd choose an installation and you'd work out where you were going to run to once you got your theft bounty. So you'd get in silent run or chaff or whatever it was, steal the goods and then do a runner to use the seller factions to clear your name and then probably cash in the uh, the rewards at a black market. Mm. One thing that I would say about this, that probably the best way to handle this is in a smaller ship. 
you don't want to be taking your your big anaconda warconda in there to do this because I think you put yourself too much at risk. Yeah, I think something like a uh, like a like a cobra or even a, a, a courier would be good. Something fast with a reasonable amount of cargo, mm. so you can literally just nip in, nip out. Uh, I certainly wouldn't fly a big big ship in there. Yeah. Don't be silly. Use a sidey. We've only got four tons of cargo, so it wouldn't necessarily pay. Yeah, no. but if you lose it, you're only paying what four hundred credits for a new one on the insurance. Yeah, but you're not making much, though, are you? You can get up give to sixteen. Down. You used to be able to get up to sixteen tons in a sidey if you strip everything out. Too right. You still can, I think. Well, the other thing to talk about is the tech broker. Uh, apparently, large guardian weapons fixed and turreted will be unlocked, well, will be available to be unlocked from the tech broker. Um, unfortunately, I mean, I'm sure Commander Kogel's had experience of this. There is one heck of a mountain to climb if you want to unlock those weapons at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, although didn't Frontier say they were looking at guardian acquisition so i guess the question is i i really hope in. they are mm. i really hope they are you know, i i found the guardians like the first batch of guardian stuff was actually really fun for us we had a great weekend like blasting through that and we were really looking forward to like taking another look at all these guardian obelisks with a bit more of complicated complicated sort of plan mm-hmm. it is so repetitive i am sick of it we gave up after about two weeks um and i just hope that they will take another look at it and make it either more fun or less grindy because yeah. it's just a bottomless pit i don't i don't want the weapons enough to put myself through that well, one of the issues that harriet currently is is that if you are in a wing of four you only get one pattern data or whatever it is per time you do the puzzle so unless you are four unless you are more than four times quicker than someone who does it in solo it's going to take you longer to do it with more people Mm. yeah well we we just i mean we gave up doing it as a group on day one because of exactly that i mean there were some bugs when it very first came out so that if you're in a wing and you all activate the sort of beacon thing to scan at the end only one person in the wing could scan it whereas if you weren't in a wing and four people were all stood next to the end artifact everyone could scan it right. so it just literally straight away it was easier doing it not in a wing than it was out uh, in a wing um but yeah you know one person needs to go for their dinner and then three people are waiting around it, it it's such a it's such a massive and mammoth process as soon as someone has to stop you all have to stop or you all have to go your separate ways and then you can't regroup and carry on where you left off again um i hated it <laughs> fair enough um and finally we have the thargoid uh scouts are being buffed now or rather this is uh, a Thargoid scout that can buff other scouts. This looked quite interesting, to, especially because I'm involved in uh, in defending some of the, st- the, uh, some of the systems against these things. Um, it did look as if these, thar- these particular scouts can upgrade other scouts or repair other scouts mid-fight. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they've just gone up a level. 
but was it just me or was on the trailer wasn't there some um evidence of thargoid activity attacking outposts on planets there was a picture wasn't there at LaveCon, where there was an installation and what looked to be the shadow of a medusa in the background is that what you're thinking of yeah i think that's what i'm, th I'm thinking of i mean it did i do wonder whether or not they're going to start attacking planetary surface uh installations as well as possibly targeting um stations i want to see actually see that happen because mm. one of my favorite bits of babylon 5 is where the shadow vessel comes over and just like takes out the ground installation you know so seeing a thyroid chip do that equivalent would be just awesome. Yeah, um, not unless you, all your ships are there. <laughs> just please stay away from Azure's Hope. Anyway, um, and of course we had the redacted section, but I think everybody agrees that that is probably going to be the crate. I hope. I kind of hope hope they have something else for that because it's kind of like the worst kept secret, isn't it? Yeah, I'm with you there, Sean. What, like I'm hoping that was misdirection and there's a third ship and that'll drive us all mad when it will love it. <laughs> I'm hoping it's misdirection and actually what we're going to see is the Thargoid motherships that we had coming last year. We're going to see them flying around in space instead. Mm. I mean, even the Yeah, oh, well, whatever the hell they are. The, the great big F-off ones. Yeah. I mean, so overall, I think the reaction to 3.1 and the, the reaction, the community reaction to what was announced at LaveCon, that seemed to be very positive. I don't think I've seen the forums that positive for, I think, ages. Of course, it went back to its usual um, sort of self-eating, <laughs> a robber of self uh, later on, but um, for that one, two days... It, it seemed that confidence had been restored. I mean, the thing I think that Frontier did really well at LaveCon was not just focusing on like the focus feedback they're in the middle of for stuff that they're delivering in the middle of the year, but just showing a little bit of the stuff that they're working on for the end of the year. Mm. I think that's made people realise that there's an end game we're not seeing, and it isn't just these little patches with a few gameplay changes in. You know, there is serious development work going on behind the scenes. Uh, the graphics overhaul stuff that they showed on those videos... I mean, they're really, it's really good, you know, zero performance here, better lighting, better ability to do post effects on the shots. That's all win. Um, that's just going to be great. Explorer's going to lap it up at the end of the year. It's going to be amazing. It was also unusual. I think it was yourself, Colin, I think you mentioned it. It was, it's almost unprecedented for Frontier to release shots of work that's under development. Usually they just show the stuff that's done. Mm -hmm. But this was actually in work in progress. So I wonder if that's sort of in response to people say, oh, Frontier doesn't communicate enough and all that sort of stuff. Well, if you if you follow on the forums at the moment, there's a whole lot of people complaining about the amount of the lack of communication, and and they're thinking, well, oh, come on, guys, you've just seen what's come out at LaveCon. You just they are continually working on the game. It's it's just it, it's just a whole lot of people seem to want particular questions answered personally, and the developers don't have that time. I always thought, but. 
we'll, we'll leave 3.1 for the moment. Uh, my, my, my response to that, sorry, is, well, Nick, come to LaveCon next year, then you can buy Sandy G&T and talk to him. <laughs> talk to him directly, yeah. My <laughs> response is just shoot him. Uh, and there we go from friendly to, and moving on. The, now, one particular reason that we, we have Commander Stroud with us today is that the Sagittarius Eye had a particular article about the recent goings-on in our home system. Um, Lave, uh, the Lave Radio Network, uh, for those of you who don't know, have actually taken control of the entire Lave system. So... <laughs> And uh, Alan, and there was much rejoicing. How do you feel about that, Colin? How do I feel about that? Yeah, well, no, you're, you're fairly you're fairly aligned by us, aren't you? Um, <laughs> I, I I have mixed feelings on this, but I will admit that once I have read this particular article, which was in the Sagittarius Eye from Alan, um, I've come to become more independently minded. Well, it. it it's interesting. I mean, the the thing is, is that um, there've been several discussions in different places about basing the arguments of Lave being in the alliance on the law that's been written, and then there've been arguments about basing uh, about Lave being an independent uh, system, completely independent, based on the law that was written. Um, really, I think it the the nice thing in part in terms of the fact that, that something's going on with this and that, you know, uh, we have a, a player faction in the, the system. Um, I count myself as we because, you know, I'm part of Lave Radio. Uh, I'm, I, I don't generally tend to, you know, to, to fly as part of Lave Radio Network. But anyway, the, the point here is that um, something is going on and that's nice. It keeps, you know, the, the system's been relevant since 1984 because of its its history with the previous games. Um, it's nice to keep it relevant, to stay relevant. Um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping, really, that going forwards, what we can do is kind of get some role play out of this. You know, I'd, I'd really like to to have some discussions with, if Lavis set itself up as, as independent um, and then starts a negotiation with representatives from the alliance about you know renegotiating its position or anything else you know then let's let's have some in-game role-playing about it um and you know that that kind of gets players interested gets some talking gets you know gets something going on i i, I do think if that's going to happen it's got to be somewhere kind of public and it's got to be somewhere where You've got a record of what's being said between people, you know, talking in game in terms of their uh, their commanders or their characters or, or stuff like that. Um, and and really, it, it's kind of exciting to see that you know we can shape the future of the system in you know in any which way uh, in terms of the way in which it goes. Uh, you know, the, I think the key thing is is that the guys who are in uh, LRN who are in Lave Radio Network, the ones that are working tirelessly behind the scenes, you know, running stuff um, and running missions and, and bits and pieces. And also, you know, all the people that have, have been involved with the station over the years. Um, you know, having something there as, as kind of a bit of, yeah, this is us, is actually is, is pretty cool. Um, 
but at the same time you know i i, I think if if it's entertaining if people are enjoying it if people are, are playing characters and kind of you know being in character about what's going on then it could be lave ends up being alliance it could be lave ends up being independent um depends how people want to want to kind of play and, and what they want to do how do you feel because it's kind of stomped all over the ending of your story uh, no, okay, no. It's, it's about 40 years later or something like not, that. Not, but... Yeah, not really. No, I don't think it has. Um, the, as I mentioned in the, the Sagi article, um, yeah, there, was, there was a moment of agreement between several characters that caused um, the, the ending to happen. Um, and actually, if you've... Um, hate to give a dry reference, but what I was doing the research for the book... Um, I was looking at um, I was looking at the situation in Japan after the Second World War, and what happened in Japan after the Second World War, and how the transition was handled. Um, and there's a reference to MacArthur in the book, and you know, and it kind of kind of picks up, you know, this idea of General MacArthur. Um, and and I I did very much see Lave at that point in time, you know, in, in the aftermath of what happened as, as like Japan. And, you know, when there was then a, a sort of a, pro, a, a transition, I mean, the original objective of the book, the original reason I wrote it was because uh, on the original map that was set out by frontier of how the factions would feature in the game, Lave was an Alliance system. And I said, can I tell the story of how Lave becomes an Alliance system? which is entirely fine, you know, and so in the game in 3300 when everybody got to play it, Lave was an alliance system. So I'd, I'd kind of done my job in that regard. Um, you know, that notwithstanding, don't get me wrong here, you know, I very much wanted to write two more Lave Frontier. No, that's an annoying uh, request to them. Every opportunity I get, don't want to, you know, don't want to pester them, but every opportunity I get where I can kind of say, hey, I'm still here quite happy to write another lave book uh i do but at the same time um i i don't think the story that i wrote has to be fixed in terms of the you know lave staying as an alliance member and i guess with your thing being what 3265 or something was it yeah 3265 yeah exactly so you know you've still got 40 odd years of yeah. history to play with before if, anything gets changed anyway yeah if i was going to write two more then they'd basically I, I think the original intention was that they would be set uh prior to 3300 anyway um but you know i mean obviously plots are subject to change you reassess you think about it i i you know the one thing i didn't want to do is is ever write an elite book that required massive amounts of in-game connection to plot and stuff to happen, you know, live in the thing that would change my plot in the book and so on. Yeah, I, I'm not interested in that. That's somebody else's bag. Uh, what I, you know, what I am interested in is is covering history, um, creating a sort of more of a breathing history, more of a character and a vibrancy to, you know, to things through fiction, um, and maybe sowing some seeds. You know, putting some things in books that have happened before the game that players can then explore and exploit and find out about in the game to carry on something on you know i'm not i'm not interested in writing something in 3304 at this stage um because i just think you know this the game story is told by the game um for me i, d I don't want to do that 
it's probably a good thing, but I actually think I suspect in a couple of years' time the the novelization of the events could actually be a hell of a good story. Yeah, probably. Um, you know, if if the players if the players involved in the different groups, um, you know, and I, I put you all on charge here, you know, with my school teacher hat on. <laughs> if the players involved in all the different groups think about the fact that what is happening is happening and is is kind of posterity, if you see what I mean, then you have the potential to write a story based on what occurs. Mm. Now, that requires some dramatization. You know, some of the some of the aspects of the game in terms of how the background simulation works are a little bit fuzzy logic. If you it's a bit I mean. contrived. Right, exactly. Yes. So how this affects this is not necessarily as um, you know, as clear cut as, as this, that and the other. But certainly you could write a great story um narrating how, you know, these events connect to each other and, and sort of relate and you know and, and you know commander this did this and this caused you know, a, a, a small revolt in this district where this happened. Oh. And th yeah, you've got a your potential of an amazing story. But I, I just love the idea of the populace getting in touch with a yeah. bunch of twats and a sidewinder <laughs> chucking out a broadcast every week. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, yeah, what the hell do you expect us to do, guys? It's, Seriously. It's probably, it's probably, in terms of a tone, it's probably a bit less gritty than the stuff I usually tend to write, but I'm um, sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, maybe you get Foz in to write it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so are you? We're going to have to have again, aren't we? Yeah, I hear he's <laughs> so, good. I've, you know, apparently people have heard his, you know, his stuff. I hear he's good. Well, so basically, are you, basically are, are you equating what happened in Lave recently to Brexit? Is that what you're <laughs> um, I, I, I think probably not. Um, but I guess there are some parallels you could draw on in the draw on in the yeah yeah we're leaving but we'd like to rejoin. You know, so so maybe there is a. I mean, we we always did say actually when we were defining the alliance. And where we were writing some of the original alliance documents, and I think I've said it on a couple of episodes here, that we did equate the alliance to the European Union um, because I, of the. I remember the Mike of, saying that in yeah. late on twenty thirteen. I think it was. Yeah, absolutely. Because because they are a bit of a bureaucratic talking shop, you know, and and there are you know there are there are certain ways in which having to translate documents across a vast array of different different languages that, that happens in the EU to get, get treaties ratified and so on can make them a bit slow. Um, mm. So, yeah, so we did we did equate the alliance to, to the European Union um, in certain respects, not thinking at all that we were leaving the European Union. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I guess there's some kind, of, uh, some kind of strange parallel that could be drawn. Well, um, I think we will we will leave that for the moment. Uh, we'll we'll also thank I think it would be fair to say this moment we'll thank Commander whoever and the various guys who have been doing all the work at in the background on the Leave uh, Radio Network um, because they've been doing a sterling job and we didn't expect this to happen, did we? <laughs> to be yeah, I totally agree. Total props yeah. to. Uh, whoever and all the other guys in um, in that organisation, they do an absolutely stellar job. Absolutely, and also I think the other thing uh, to to cover here is that um, obviously the Sagittarius I issue ten has come out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some great articles in there. Um, yeah, I have to say, I think the Federation article that's in there is is awesome. Um, and now, now they've you know, I had a good long chat with the team at Lavecom, which was great. Um, so watch the space. I might write some more for them. Um, might be on something else. Uh, they've they've said there's a particular type of stuff that they're interested in. You know, it's the kind of stuff that I could probably could knock together some things for them. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, the sort of fairly quick experience of putting something together and sending it over. So it was good fun. I like the Obsidian Ant article. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm, I'm more leaning towards the favour that Obsidian Ant is some sort of kind of spokesperson for this shadowy organisation. I think he's, he's, he's too nice. No one is that nice <laughs> without anything to hide. Uh, uh, we probably we probably need an advert on that, don't we? I think it's called yeah. Dockers, isn't it? <laughs> what the what the, the sinister the, obsidian uh, the, the take on, well the take on D- David Bruben being too nice and so sorry David Braben being too nice and so David Bruben was created. <laughs> uh, but I have to, I really actually I I know you 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 enjoyed um, the Federation article. Shan enjoyed, and I really like the Onion Head article actually because there's there's so much stuff that I never knew about Onion Head that was in that that I thought was awesome. You know, you got you got to know what you're taking, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that. So at this it's moment, what stuff. we'll do, what we'll do is we'll bring in uh, Commander Malibu. Now, um, Commander Malibu, he is a. a, a, a Please correct me if I'm wrong. You are a fuel rat. Is that correct? Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, you're not. not but you are dedicating this trip that you're doing to the fuel rats. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, fuel rats are really something I, I really admire. Um, I, I think they, they do something really cool. Um, maybe I'll become one uh, of them one day. Um, and yeah, I just found that their logo would perfectly fit in the galaxy. So that's what I'm, that's why I'm doing that. So, just to make you clear, you are trying to organize a player group to basically use um, uh, the star map to draw the fuel rat logo over the entire galaxy. Yep, that, that's it. Exactly. And you need help. Yes, I do, because it's a long trip, and I can't do it alone. <laughs> now, I do believe you managed to recruit a couple of the guys... Uh, into doing that. So, um, if you if you guys would like to take it away, explain what you're doing. That would well, be a subtle hint for you, Toxic. <laughs> it's Toxic. Uh, no. Yeah, I'm hiding. I'm here. I'm here. I'm just <laughs> mapping out myself. Um, so, yes, yeah, so um, we're just plotting at the moment. Um, various different routes around the galaxy to combine together our efforts to create the Fuel Rats logo 40,000 light years across. And so all we're doing is taking, we've got lists of coordinates that we're each individually traveling to. I myself have a list, Ben's got a list, I think Kurgle might also have a list. Yeah. And that's what you've been seeing us do so far over the Twitch is um, 
basically what he's done is broken the picture down into small segments, either individual letters in their motto around the outside or features like an eyeball or a bit of fur or a bit of the outside. Split them up and we're basically, as people volunteer, they're getting allocated sections and that plots the main points for the route. But each of those sort of groups of plots, you have tens of jumps between each point on it and we're collectively drawing all of the features of that um of that map it's quite good fun actually so basically it's a galactic etch sketch yeah exactly exactly that it's a giant galactic and of course we're all going to have hundreds and hundreds of um exploration data to drop on uh well whatever system we so choose i suppose when we come home it's got to be home, hasn't it? We're going to be dropping it all at home. Pretty much. But yeah, it's, um, Commander Malibu who's doing it is um, the same commander. <coughs> Excuse me. The same commander who drew the Elite Dangerous logo on the galaxy. If I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's it. Yeah, we had that on the show a few episodes back, didn't we? Which was, by the way, a, a really awesome achievement solo. It must have driven you crackers. And I hope this the, the, this one will look as wonderful as the, the one I did before. I'm sure it will. It looks amazing. But how can people who want to get involved, how can they get in contact with you to help out? Um, I, I did. Uh, I wrote a post on the on the forum, and there's uh, all the. I'll, I'll explain everything, and at the end there's a Discord link, so you can come and just um, talk with me, and I will explain you everything. We will put a link to that forum thread in our show notes. I've gone off and I've put the diagram that we're drawing up on my screen, Grant. I don't know if Kogel can put his. Or I can. Pro I can maybe try and find it actually. The drive, the drive for the, um, what do you call it? Oh, I could probably show that on mine actually. If you want the, um, okay, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the spreadsheet. Seen, seen that. Yeah. So I'm I'm showing the the thing, and I I'm doing, I I believe I'm doing the the letter I in, occasion M. Yes, that's it. Um, well, that, that's it so far. Um. Uh, I was going to ask, actually, so how how are you getting the data from us? We're flying, obviously, this square on the galaxy map. How um, are you then converting it into the final image? Because I know usually it's been done using this is, the, this is the route that I flew, and it traces all that kind of stuff out. How are you going to be doing that so for, I, I, the, for the final? Yeah, I, I, um, at the end of your drawing, respectively, I will ask you to collect your um, log files using um, ED Discovery. And, yeah, um, yep. I think I'm putting all my stuff out to ED Star Map at the moment. Okay. Well, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll figure a way out. Um, and then I, I figured out there's a tool from Commander Ovidius, if I'm right, um, that enable you to put all the log files you want from every commander and it will draw the, the path you took uh, on your journey. And that's what I'm going to do, I guess, if it works. 
and it will look like the logo is drawing itself alone from every corner of the galaxy at the same time. Awesome. Okay, that's kind of cool. I can actually play, if you give me a second. I've got the animation of one of the letters that was drawn earlier. I'm just trying to find where it's gone again. Have you lost something? So, yes. while Toxic's looking for that, one of the things that I didn't understand is, from your spreadsheet, you've got your... How did you go from the the plots on your graph into the coordinates? I'm guessing that's just you picked various points and said, okay, here, 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 and you just zoomed in really big on your on your image to get the coordinates on that or something like that, yeah? Yeah, yeah that's it. It's a bit tedious, but um, briefly, it's all about taking out some points of an image yeah. of picture and converting those coordinates of um, those points into coordinates in Elite Dangerous with some basic trigonometry stuff. Right. And it works pretty well, I think. Okay. okay, and then, so how do we go from that into system names, then? Um, I, know, I know I went off and I had my... You were very nice and you gave me my, my full yeah. system names, um, <laughs> whereas Toxic doesn't have any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, on, the, on your Galaxy map, you can activate a grid. I believe it's enabled by um, default. Yeah, I think and it is. I'll just on jump into the Galaxy map. Um, coordinates uh, X, Y, and Z. And the, on the spreadsheet, um, there are actually the X and Z uh, coordinates for each point. So you manually have to go on your Galaxy map at the designated coordinates and find the closest system possible to the location. Oh wow! So you've yeah. you've got to go and actually so zoom right into your into your Galaxy map. Yeah. And I, I can see if I zoom in, I'm at twenty two thousand minus twenty two thousand minus fifty one thousand one hundred ninety. Yeah, that's it. Um, so on my screen, and then I'm you should be able to see. Down where I've manually plotted all my points out as waypoints, and um, you can sort of see the journey that is building the side of the letter U that I've been allocated. Yeah, I've got my letter. I've got my letter I as waypoints. Uh, actually, looks like we're going. We're it's kind of following the the first part. It's not. Well, it's not too far away in scale of things from the first couple of. Bases, I think, that I had for getting to Jack's. But that whole plotting on my screen, that's three waypoints out of my whole letter. Um, so all the intermediary steps are where the auto-plotters plotted me. So it takes a special kind of space crazy to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, how many people do you reckon you're going to need to help out Commander Malibu? Is it, if you got enough, or is it going to be hundreds of people you're going to need? Um, firstly, I thought about 60 commanders will do it. So each commander will have a small part to do, max um, 15,000 light, 15, light years. But as it's going on, I think we will need less than that. And um, yeah, maybe something like 40 could do it, which will always welcome everyone who <coughs> wants to take part into it. Yep. Right. Yeah, I have to I've noticed you've got a few complete nutters who have just said, hey, yeah, you've got that great big outer circle there. I'll do that bit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hmm, mad. Yeah, it's like, what, like, yeah, that was something. That was actually Fuel Rat himself, who yeah, literally showed up and said, "Yeah, that's an easy one hundred and twenty-two thousand light years." 
I'll just go off and do that. I'll be back next week. Oh my goodness! You do. Considering how much time I can only put into this game a week, I have uh, nothing but. I don't know. It, admiration seems to be the wrong word, but. Sleeping <laughs> in jealousy is space crazy. Yeah. <laughs> when so, you um, sorry, Colin. Right. Well. What we'll, what we'll do is, is we'll move on uh, to the rest of the community news for the moment. Uh, well, thanks to Commander Malibu for coming on, and uh, uh, we wish you a whole load of uh, success in, in coming up with this logo. Um, for goodness sake, we, we do think that the Fuel Rats deserve this kind of appreciation, because, let's be honest, they're awesome. Yeah, so. If it's successful, I think we should do the HWS logo for Karen next. <laughs> Go away, toxic. Just uh, no. leave. I don't. I don't think. She'd, <laughs> I don't think she'd see it unless um, unless somebody took a picture and then and gave it to her. That's probably the. Um, to be fair, she she's a, she's a bit easier to please. Just buy her a bottle of gin. She loves so the, the, what we need is, is sort of professionally home-brewed Lave Radio gin, specifically for Karen. Well, you know, rival the brandy, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, other community news. Now, this one actually took... <laughs> I did t quite take this fancy. Um, a C-64 commander glues his hands to a controller. <laughs> a C-64 commander? I think that's in reference to him originally playing the Commodore 64 Elite. Ah, I see. Because it looks to me he's, um, he's got an Xbox commander there. Uh, Jay Gaddy, this, this would be. Uh, and one of the things he was complaining about was the fact that um, he doesn't seem to be able to hold the, uh, the Xbox controller all that well. So coming up with a solution to this was to glue his hands to the controller. <laughs> I think what he's actually... I had a quick look at it. I haven't actually read the thing, but I looked through the photos. What it looks like he's done is taken, like, fingerless cycling gloves and glue, um, like, Velcro to them and then vel glue Velcro strips to his controller. So he's, like, Velcroed himself. That is exactly what he's done. And um, it actually looks well, pretty genius. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one of the things was, he, he says here, I was really surprised at how well it worked, because my hands don't slide around, thus my fingers always return to their proper positions with no active thought on my part. So it does, I mean, I must admit, the Xbox controller myself, I do end up having to, to grip it very, very tightly in order to be able to control it, because if, if I relax my hands, I have the same problem, that it kind of... I can't keep, seem to keep purchase on it, and it'll slip out of position, and I'll dive into an asteroid because of it, genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it sounds mad, but if it I works, always thought Velcro gloves was for something else entirely. And you're back to Dockers again. You've had your Dockers fixed. Now shut it. <laughs> well, Friday, um, we can play on the Drabble show. Yes, exactly. So, um, now, what's this about the Wine Project making Elite Dangerous run on Linux? Oh, I'm so, I'm so revved about this. Elite 
is well first of all wine is a project that lets you run like windows applications on linux and quite a few games use it as a library to bake in linux support when they don't really want to do it natively uh and historically elite dangerous has been right at the bottom of their worst offender list of just being almost impossible to get running mm -hmm. um but then with the new graphics libraries come out the vulcan library especially there is a new project which allowed them to write a DirectX to Vulkan translation layer. And this guy has strung all of those bits together and using the Vulkan support baked into the latest wine builds on their GitHub repo, you can actually get like the combat training and the single player sort of demo stuff in Elite actually runs perfectly well. Uh, he hasn't actually managed to get the multiplayer stuff working, and I haven't had a chance to run this up on my own rig. But it's actually the only app I run Windows for on my home system. It's the only one I can't run natively under Linux. Um, so I'm really, I'm really keen to see how that goes. I might even have a look at their GitHub repo and see what the code's doing because um, it's been really, really far from us seeing it actually running on Linux hardware, and that is the first sign I've seen of it hopefully looking like we might actually get some progress on that. Wouldn't the, the one thing that I, I do have concern about this is that if you, if you have to put in an extra layer in to handle the networking side of things, is that actually breaking the frontier terms and conditions? Because normally you have to research what the packets are and things like that. Sure, but like what Wine is doing is where you have like a uh, a Microsoft library, like mm -hmm. the Direct3D library, and you call a Direct3D function. Yeah. Obviously, DirectX isn't available on Linux. All they're doing is writing an implementation of that DirectX function for Linux. Oh, that's right. how I see like, what you're saying. That's, yeah. that's how Wine classically works. Well, this throws all of that out with the new. Um, with a new graphics API that replaced like OpenGL, the old layer, the Vulkan stuff, where before like DirectX to OpenGL is hit and miss and it's only like 50 or 60% implemented, like 95% of the Vulkan stuff just worked immediately and that all of a sudden made the Linux build of Elite Dangerous run where it's like you've never been able to get past the installer before. So going from that to an actual running game where you can fly around in a ship, albeit only in the demo demonstration code at the moment, that's pretty phenomenal. And I'm really, really hopeful that we'll see some significant progress on that, maybe even by the end of this year. Uh, their development pace is pretty fast. So effectively, we would uh, have an unofficial Linux port yeah, so what you do with Wine is you install Wine on your Linux system and you tell Wine to run your Windows executable and to all intents and purpose, the Windows executable thinks it is running on a Windows system. And when all the Windows function calls have been implemented correctly, everything just works. And when they haven't, you eventually get to the point where your program calls that function that isn't implemented and you end up with a bunch of pieces broken on the floor and your game crashes. Gotcha. Gotcha. How is the game, not the gameplay, but the performance? Cause so I'm, the I'm... performance that the guy posted, it, like he's actually put some feedback in their GitHub uh, issues list with this is how I ran it and the sort of performance I got. And he was showing about a 15% performance de decrease from running it on the same hardware under Windows. Because this has always been one of my things that... I was really excited when I saw that Guild Wars 2 was, uh, was available for the Mac. And then I find yeah. out that the way that they're actually doing that 
is by emulating DirectX on the Mac, essentially doing the commercial equivalent of what Wine does. And yes, it ran, and it was shit. Yeah, and like we're quite lucky in that the stuff that Wine is not good at is like really complex logic, and the stuff it is quite good at is things like graphics card calls because most of that stuff doesn't go through your CPU. It's just a DirectX call being passed off to the GPU. And because Vulkan and DirectX are so close in their capabilities, a lot of that stuff is just it calls one function that then calls the appropriate function from the Vulkan library that does the same job as DirectX. And, yeah, there's one more step in the chain, but all that step is is passing the process off to something else. Um, so yeah, there there will be a performance hit, but for me especially, my machine can run faster than I can draw frames on my monitor. I don't mind a ten percent performance hit if it means I can run the game on the Linux system. And I think there's probably a lot of other Linux users out there that would feel that way. Right. Um, well, moving on, but still dealing with um, with graphical issues in Elite Dangerous, Commander Sneu. I'm going. I apologise if I've got that wrong. Um, that's S N E A U X. Posted on the official uh, forum an article explaining how to get deeper blacks if you're using HDMI cables. Now, who knows about that one? I just use a patch that I've got stored locally on my network, which I can upload pretty much anywhere because it's only a few kilobytes. So, so what it is is. Um, HDMI by default, because of TVs, uses a limited color range, mm-hmm. which makes all of your blacks look gray and your whites don't quite look as bright as they should. Right. And I, I myself have to do this for some reason. When I've, I've got three inputs on my PC monitor, I've got the HDMI, I've got my DVI, and I've got my VGA. Mm-hmm. I hate HDMI. HDMI is the only time when I have to patch my PC for my monitor to go back to black. Right. I see what you mean. So, yeah, it's um, the HDMI, when it thinks a TV is attached to it, instead of it being like 0 to 255 color range, it's like 16 to 240 or something. And uh, it just ignores any values higher or lower than that. Uh, so, yeah, your blacks end up being gray and your whites end up being really light gray. Right. There we okay. go. So I've actually got the patch tool on my desktop as it happens because every time I reinstall my PC, I have to repatch it. Every time uh, I it sounds like a really rubbish washing powder, doesn't it? It does, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> it's not in as white, is it? That guy's post just shows you how to check that setting on NVIDIA, ATI, and Intel graphics cards and how to change it to the correct full range if you don't already have it set at that. And it, if you don't have it set to full range, it will be a significant difference. You should check that out. See, now, I've tried... I find that last time I had the issue... No, sorry, the first time I had the issue, when I switched my monitor from DVI to HDMI, I even though I went into the graphics card settings and I said, look, I want full range, I want 0 to 255, it would always limit me to, now I've got the patch tool open, it's 16 to 235, yeah. Even after reboot, it'd go back, it'd always go back, so this, 
I had to go and look, see what I could find on the internet. Mm. I just found this patch tool. What this does is it actually goes into the registry and forces the patch on itself uh, onto the machine to say that actually, no, this is a PC monitor. Right, I see. Don't care what it says. Don't care it's got speakers. It's a PC monitor. Okay. Well, moving uh, on from from that, uh, finally, we have the... Apparently, there's been a, a Battle Cars update. Now, Spider-Man games, as we know, launched... Um, we're demoing the Battle Cards uh, game at LaveCon, and there's also been demos of it on the Frontier of Stream. However, um, now correct me if I'm wrong, they are going to do a Kickstarter campaign for this on, what, the 29th of June? And all current pre-orders are going to be refunded. And they ask that if you have pre-ordered, then please put a bid into Kickstarter. Have I got that right? Sounds right to me. Yeah. Um, um, now, we, we, we're hoping that we will we'll get Spider-Man games back on, on on maybe the 3rd of July. So I've, act, I've actually I've spoken to Spider-Man. And if we, want, if we want to have them on, they are more than happy to come and join us on the 3rd of July. So, yeah, I mean, what we'll do is we'll, we'll bring them on there and uh, then um, give them a chance to explain what, why they've had to do this uh, and also see how the Kickstarter campaign is progressing. I mean, uh, the Battle Cards game did seem to go down a storm at LaveCon, to be honest. Um, I'm obviously commanders in the 8th Dragon Squadron that turned up were so happy they took several copies of um, <laughs> the 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 info they could get there, and they all pre-ordered. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, what we'll do is um, we'll keep you uh, abreast about everything that's happening with that, and hopefully uh, we'll have the word from the horse's mouth itself in a couple of weeks. So, uh, moving quickly on, we're, we're going to do a, uh, a few shout-outs. Um, obviously, LaveCon 2018 was on the 8th and 10th of June. Um, if you want to see what you've missed, then you go to the Lave Radio YouTube channel where we've got most of the panels up there, including, and I, I can only stress this, uh, including Dockers for those of a mature and um, level-headed disposition. Isn't Dockers for people with an immature Oy. disposition? Yeah, but there there are certain people of a certain age range who I know who are immature oh, that should not be listening to dockets. Oi, 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 what? What are you saying about dockets? Yeah, dockets is up there, and we tried something, tried something different this year with the cameras to see if we could make it a bit more uh, interesting and followable. So, <laughs> any feedback is welcome. I was very appreciative. It was quite interesting to sort of. I mean, we, um, Mr. Winnard and I, on probably the Tuesday night, spent about three hours going through the script and writing and stage directions. That's how much effort we put into the thing. You, <laughs> you put stage directions in. There was oh. stage directions, which was really funny because it involved like you know, run around the back of the script, run around the back of the stage, jump over to microphone two, read your bit, back over to the other side, jump speak on microphone one. It wasn't that one. bad. I kept it for scenes. We made scenes in it. And the other thing was, of course, you could see how more, how tired I was getting as it would say, as the directions became <laughs> more and more abusive. Right, Ben, piss off off that mic. <laughs> I love oh, that, to be right. honest. 
It was make direction. Oh, thank God for that, because I was just hoping there was no actual action direction. Oh, God. I don't know what that's next year. Next year for the oh, Dockers, the musical. Remind me to go oh, home early again. God, that's not a musical. No, no, no. Christ. Um, right, for those of you who are wondering what's happened to uh, episode 200, part 3, that will be out soon, TM. Uh, we're waiting for EFTA to recover from the Jurassic World evolution uh, and E3 before we can uh, get involved with that. Is that correct, Sean? It is, yeah. Um, it was always the intention to have uh, part 3 to be a Frontier special, so we're kind of waiting for them to uh, get their sleep back, I think. Right. Uh, on top of which, um, we'll just give a couple of shout-outs. One, of course, to the good old CQC Discord for uh, the, the discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action. Uh, and also the Pixel Bandits should be running their uh, CQC night right now if um, if they have recovered from E3. Um, obviously, we should I'd like really to... have a CQC night soon, shouldn't we? We should, especially now that we've got this multiple screen thing that Grant's managed to pull together with fantastic aplomb. Oh yeah. Mm. So that means that everybody can see me die and also see my facial expression as I die, which is not going to be pleasant. First to die wins, right? That's how it works. Is it? Oh, That's right. how I play. Okay, that's good. Someone worse than me. Uh, and of course, um, www.edwtrb.com um, it's the my website for to help people who are looking for a wing, a role-play group, uh, someone to trade rare goods or even to set a bounty on. So that website's uh, available for those of you who want to, to use it. Um, I'd like to thank the 100 and so new commanders that have joined since the since it's been launched because uh, it's always nice to see a rise in numbers. Um, so we'd also like to thank, um, well, we can't thank any of the in-game commanders because they're all um, basically <laughs> spread out all over in the galaxy. Where we should be. <laughs> um, but we would like to thank everybody in Twitch chat. We'll also point out that following this will be the excellent Galnet news done by uh, Commander Pete Witherspoon. Uh, and um, does anybody have any final business before I sign out? I guess, I, you know, speaking purely for Lave Radio Network, if anyone is doing any of these fuel rat le letters or whatever, if they want to drop them off and leave, that would be awesome. We'd probably give you brandy or something, I don't know. Or gin. You know, I I'll happily fly off to Hutton Orbital if somebody wants gin for it. The gin's Karen's, you know that. <laughs> I'll take some gin for Karen too. Actually, you could have a, a, a Sandro versus Karen deathmatch over <laughs> gin, couldn't you? My money's on Karen. We need Draxler uh, yeah. involved in this too. Mm. Well, uh, one thing that I would finally like to say is I would like to give a shout out to uh, Commander Winging Pom, who brought along his uh, base building, Elite Dangerous base building game to Lavecon. Um, he also printed the fantastic Asp Explorer, which was used in in the Elite Miniatures game uh, while. Uh, while it was all happening in the uh, in the games room, um, the game went down a storm. I, I think everybody really, really enjoyed it. Uh, we would endeavour that you don't give up with the, the game, and you find maybe a different platform that we, it will work with. But it was very much appreciated that all your hard work to bring it along, and all the three D printing that you did with it. So uh, 
once again, a sign out to uh, a shout out to Commander Winging Pump for for all his help during LaveCon. So um, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, facebook.com slash laveradio, at laveradio on Twitter, and you can join the Discord chat channel by going to discord.io slash laveradio. You can join this TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30pm GMT and streamed out on laveradio.com slash live. So so thanks to uh, Commander Stroud, thanks to Ben, thanks to uh, <laughs> Commander Malibu, uh, thanks to Dr. Toxic, thanks to Commander Kurgle, thanks to Shan, thanks to Commander Psycho Cal. Uh, next time. If you can't, <laughs> if until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Is your life like this? Someone's having an orange inserted it. Need a safe word. Space can be done. Digest, 19th of June, 3304. We read the news, so you don't have to. In this week's news, the cult of them. Genocide heiress makes mercy plea. Press impartiality questioned. The cult of them. Fard the Mighty, Lord of Polaris, Emperor of the Call 70 Sector and Prince of the Pleiades, is reported to be somewhat nonplussed by the attention he's getting from misguided human Tharg botherers. A growing number of apocalyptic cults have been springing up following the start of the Thargoid invasion, but one in particular, a cult without a name, considers the Thargoids to be divine. 
This nameless sect believes that the Thargoids are messengers, angels from another dimension, who foretell the arrival of the one true god, the Far God. Believers who worship the Far God in dark chapels full of dimly pulsating green lights and which contain octagonal altars wear unmarked black robes and are convinced that believing in the Far God will invoke his mercy and save them from the coming apocalypse. The chapels are reported to smell strongly of ammonia, although this is thought to be mainly the result of the advanced age of many of the cult's adherents. All this comes courtesy of exotheologist Githin Okonkwo, possibly the only practitioner in his field, given that there were no exotheological cults until very recently. He describes himself as a scientist despite the apparent lack of empiricism in his work. Tharg the Mighty describes himself as lots of things, but the Far God is not one of them. He would like to remind humanity that all the Thargoids wish to do is to settle the systems they seeded so many million years ago. And if any death cults would like to help out by eradicating the human population, that's fine by Tharg. But he's not the Messiah. He's an extremely harassed, multidimensional being who suffered six weeks of setbacks to his plans and still has an awful lot of pest control and colonization to get sorted before the brood starts to hatch. Genocide Heiress makes mercy plea. Laurie Jameson, the engineer who won't provide lightweight equipment to explorers until they've killed enough people to be ranked as dangerous, has appealed for the League of Reparation killings to stop. Jameson is the great-granddaughter of Commander John Jameson, who delivered the mycotoxin that ended the First Thargoid War in 3151, and who was immediately afterwards murdered by the Intergalactic Naval Reserve Arm, or INRA, in order to keep this biological attack secret. Assassins working for the League of Reparation and its shadowy leadership called Nexus has recently been using nerve agents and space combat to kill people who are descended from INRA employees, apparently in revenge for the murder of Commander Jameson. In a short statement, recorded fittingly at Jameson Memorial, Laurie Jameson denied any involvement with the League declared herself appalled by what she described as their genealogical terrorism and appealed for the misguided, unnecessary and evil acts of revenge to stop. The motivation of the League of Reparation is unexplained and has led to rumours that the INRA may not have been disbanded as previously thought but may still be secretly orchestrating events in the galaxy. Press impartiality questioned. The Galnet News Network's editorial judgment was called into question this week after conflicting stories were published. The articles reported that The Lave Radio Network has announced that its campaign has reached a successful conclusion, thereby allowing the network to broadcast its annual conference to the entire galaxy. But also that The Lave Jet family has announced that its campaign to prevent the Lave Radio Network from broadcasting its annual conference has reached a successful conclusion, 
thereby preventing Lave Radio from transmitting the conference. The editorial board later cleared matters up conclusively, stating that the competing campaigns from the Lave Radio network and the Lave Jet family have come to an end, having received support from independent pilots, but ultimately there could be only one victor. The one victor appears to be confusion. Could this false news be laying the groundwork for the return of the ghost of Hans Walden and his Lave Fortune organisation from their stronghold in Tionisla? Galnet defended its reporting on the grounds of impartiality, saying that If both sides are attacking us, that must mean we're getting the balance just about right. And adding I'm just the newsreader. Why not take this up with the editorial board if you think it's so important? And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.